Hey everyone, Lila Proença here, and this is The Honest by VetaHead. Every episode, I get to pick the brains of brilliant, inspiring, and honest guests about their lives, passions, and everything and anything we want to talk about. We use the veterinary world as an excuse to talk to amazing people. Today with me, I had Dr. Trina Haza. Let me tell you a little bit how that day went. It was a Saturday morning. I woke up early. I went to one of my favorite local bakeries. I got us some pastries. I drove by the ocean. I saw some sea lions playing. And I was received by her at the gate of her house holding a warm cup of tea. After that, her wife arrived with the little precious baby son. And then we start chatting. We went and sat down on her office on the floor. We were super comfy and we had, were having coffee and tea while chatting and recording the podcast. Sometimes you can even hear her cat and her dog that wanted to participate on the conversation as well. We talked about cannabis, her Egyptian heritage, life as a college student, even the mice she had in her apartment and how she dealt with that with a new cat, her dog that protected her, her story to become a mom, IVF, an adoption that didn't go through. She was so generous sharing her honest experience. We talk about feminism, raising boys to be kind and to be also feminist. We talked about so much more. It was such a delight. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So welcome to the Honest by Vet Ahead, where we use the veterinary world as an excuse to talk to fascinating people. And today I have nothing but a incredibly fascinating people with me. I'm here at uh, Trina's Hazard's home. Do I pronounce your name correctly, yes, Hazard? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Trina is an oncologist. Um, she will give us a little bit of her background. And I just came to her house as this adorable house. Um, and I come in and I get welcomed by her little son, adorable <laughs> nine months old, um, just went for a walk, like a very romantic Saturday morning. I loved it. And come in and we have pastries and coffee and she's waiting for me with a coffee mug in her hands. <laughs> so it's perfect. What is your, the, your heritage with the Hazar? Yeah, I'm Egyptian. Yeah, 100% Egyptian. Both my parents uh, actually grew up in Cairo, Egypt. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm first generation. And then <clears throat> they came to the States when they were college years, uh, my dad got a scholarship to Berkeley. So I actually came to California first. For what? For, um, for engineering. Oh, wow. Mm, what so type did, of engineering? He did, um, I think it's a mechanical engineering. Wow. Because then he ended up going to Michigan State and doing a PhD in mechanical engineering. My mother went kind of the other way. So she actually went to Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. as a linguistics major and got a master's in linguistics. I'm, I'm like looking shocked because it must have been so hard for them to get into a university. I'm saying that because it was hard for me and this is the... Yeah the 21st century yeah, like yeah. but back then like it did they easy. speak fluent english they spoke english my mother spoke like five languages which is, which is why she did a linguistics degree it's incredible because i can't learn any more than barely the english language right <laughs> like that is the hardest language for me and i don't know any other languages so um i think we didn't get those genes oh <laughs> um, my uh but um yeah you know i think that they both worked really really hard and they 
came from really good families in Egypt. And what was interesting is they didn't know each other's family until they both had been, you know, had finished their degrees and they were on the East Coast, my mother being in the D.C. area. And my father ended up working for Bell Labs in New Jersey. Oh, so they met in the States. They did. Yeah. It's what it's okay. like more of an arranged. I was going to say what are the odds, but I like it's Brazilians fight it. themselves and I'm sure each national, nationality like find themselves. They do. Right. It, well, because it's a family that knows a family that knows a family. <laughs> and so there was some party I think they had in the D.C. area. And my father was then invited to meet my because a lot of it is an arranged, arranged. marriage. You know, I, I don't know if it's the same in Brazil. Do you guys Not in Brazil, that? but I am half Lebanese. And so that's, oh, that's yeah, why my mom is. So yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, so my mom that. was born in Lebanon, Hakur, and she went to Brazil very, very little. Oh. My my grandparents were um, getting out of the, all the war and everything, and so they oh. they came. And there's even a, this story, I don't know if it's true or not, that they threw all the passports in the ocean and when they were coming because I don't know if there was any animosity at the time, and they... They just it was a one-way everything. trip. They knew yeah. they weren't going back. Yeah, and then when he, they got here, all their names, uh, well, here in Brazil, all the names got switched to Brazilian names. So mm. my mom's name, it was actually Miriam, oh, which is Mary, Mary yes. in Arabic, yeah, yeah. but Eric. it got translated to Mahi, which is French. I don't know. You oh, know, so okay. all their names, like my uncle is Youssef, but oh, he got yeah. he, he went to Jose. So <laughs> in Layla Brazil, they didn't. Very, yeah. So that's why my name yeah, is Lila. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, it means night in Arabic. So. Okay. Yeah. My name is Lila Maftun. My middle name. But I everyone usually. calls you Layla. Yeah. Because so, that's the way you read in, in English. But it's Lila. It doesn't, it's Lila. That's very. Yeah. I have like th- probably three aunts named Lila. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you yeah, go. Yeah. It's because the way you spell in Portuguese to read Lila in, in English will be Layla. Ah. Yeah. But okay. it's fine. Yeah. Okay. My daughter actually says you should change your name because everybody calls you Layla. <laughs> like, I know. Oh, it's girl. true. <laughs> I like them by. But anyway, back to your story. So your parents was an arranged thing? It was an arranged thing and it lasted probably I think they were married for about 16 years, but it was I don't know how many arranged marriages really work, right? Uh-huh. Because it's it's there's it's sad, but I think you get kind of forced upon like, hey, it should work. You should just it do should, this. Yeah. You get pressured by your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was the really I think that the great part about it is is that my mother's like super open and very you know kind of again linguistics arts very like mi- minded in that mm-hmm. way and then my father being you know engineering is very type a very organized linear thinking um and what was really good is that we so i have i have a twin sister an identical twin sister mm-hmm. and then an older sister and my older sister has much more of the kind of artistic what is it more right brain of like my mother and then the left isn't the left brain the one that's a little bit more linear right mm-hmm. um that is like my sister, my twin and I. Like, I'll fact check super that. Super. We have at the end of the podcast, I have a segment called uh, The Honest Mistake. So oh, if we yeah. make kind of mistakes so or if you use data that is not correct, <laughs> I will look it up. And I I think yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, please check it. Yeah, fact, I'll fact, check, check it. Fact check it. Um, and so we are very much kind of in that mindset of very linear thinking. But you so. kind of, you're kind of in the middle. Yeah, I can totally I see to parts be of the your other way a little bit. I, I'm that way if. I would say if for what I, and I don't drink alcohol at all. Mm-hmm. So like I, I've, you know, smoked cannabis every so often and that becomes as now because of what I do with my life and, you know, the education around cannabis and the medical kind of aspect. I've used cannabis as medicine actually for years because, um, I have a joint disorder, a genetic joint disorder and I'm, 
I don't refuse to take prescription medication. So mm-hmm. I've been doing, you know, tinctures and things like this with cannabis. When I take the cannabis, then the right side of the brain opens up a little bit. And it's incredible because I get to see colors in a really unique way. I need to do that. Way. Oh, it's amazing. You need to help me because I, I, I mean, you, we, we talked about this before, but yeah. I'm so like, and sometimes locked in my own thoughts in my own head. And I have fights in my head that never happen. Yeah. You have that yes, like, all the time. You know, like, I, I know I'm going to go into a confrontational thing and I already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> back like, And I have the whole fight and the thing never happens. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I have prepared for this, you know. <laughs> but yeah. It's well, it's because like, it's the control aspect. Yes, I'm very People controlling. Like, and I hate to say that. I hate to admit that. Yeah. I was talking to my friend yesterday. And he's like, you're very controlling. And I wanted to get back. No, I'm not. I was like, no, I'm fucking I'm so yeah. controlling. Yeah. But, no, I mean, we are. But I think very, very many, like a lot of vets are just controlling type A people. We, which is the scary part, right? And can, can it, I think it can go kind of scary where you feel like you have to control every single aspect of a patient's life. Like we're going to yeah, save I it. Need, yeah, and I need when to save we it. fail no, yeah. because medicine isn't perfect and you can't always control it all. Sometimes it's the universe that controls beyond us. Then it's really hard for people like us. How is it? We've let ourselves down. We've let the owner down. We've let the patient down. And that's where I think a lot of us need to go to a different place and say, we're not perfect. We've done the best we can. And we've used all the knowledge that we've learned to really do what what we can for the patient and for the, the pet parent. Especially right? in your specialty. So Dr. Hazai is an oncologist. And I mean, you kind of know already that like your goal is not to cure a lot of yeah, times. And true. it's 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 so hard. And, and I actually listened to some of your interviews and like how you... You said, and it was so inspiring. You're saying like, my job is to walk that journey with the owner and make it that journey easier and, and make sure that the patient is happy. Right. Because now we're not trying to get time necessarily, you time to get, trying, trying to get quality, Mm -hmm. which means so many more different things to a dog or a cat than it means to, To or to any other animal, right? Rabbit. To, yeah. a, to a human, yeah. Yeah, or a turtle. Oh, I'll tell you a turtle story. Tur- oh, yeah? Okay, you're going to love this. So when I was a kid, we would go back to Egypt um, almost every year because we have all of our cousins and aunts and uncles. Everyone lives in Egypt. So my parents would either, like, literally put us on a plane and then we would just end up in Cairo. <laughs> this is just times have changed, right? Oh, you <laughs> never do that anymore. Um, How old were you? I mean like first grades kind of I mean it was just because they would just you know you back then you could pay a, a stewardess yeah like I remember did I did that it? and yeah. then you would wear that like uh, so they knew call it with, with like are you with your ID or something yeah. and they would walk yeah and like walk a stranger you. would walk you and take <laughs> you to the bathroom I know. like <laughs> I know you would never do that with your kids right now right um never so we but we did that and sometimes they come or, or they would meet us there but anyway so my grandmother, I think you heard me talk about this. My grandmother loved animals. And my mother's side, like, loved animals. She had such a huge heart for animals, which is very unique for the Muslim community. Because a lot of them think animals are dirty and that it can't come in the home. Well, not her. She, oh, I didn't know that. that the oh, Muslims, yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah, know because that. It, that home is a clean place for prayer. and So animals can mm-hmm. be very dirty. Um, not at all how I grew up. I mean, mm-hmm. we had animals. But... Um, but so she loved turtles or tortoises. Let mm-hmm. me say tortoises. The desert <laughs> <Look> tortoise. <at laughs> yeah, the desert tortoise. And these, they were all over Alexandria. So we spent a lot of time in Alexandria, Egypt, um, right on the Mediterranean. And there are tons of them, right? And people would sell them, you know, on yeah. the street. Like, who yeah, wants Brazil's a turtle? Same, you know? yeah. 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 And so my grandma said, take, t- you each get two, my twin and I. I said, 
too. And they are the cutest babies. Tortoises are the cutest freaking babies. Oh, my God. They're so cute. I know. And as a kid, we just fell in love, right? Loved it. And there was something about this, our Egyptian heritage. Like, it's different than getting a dog in the States, right? There wasn't, there's no Egyptian mutt you can get in the States. Mm -hmm. So this was like a pure Alexandrian uh, tortoise. Yeah. So she I said, well, what are we going to do? We each now have two. She said, well, take them back with you. And I said, take them back. I mean, can you even imagine the health, like the public health? No, I health know, stuff, I know, right? I know. And, and talk about salmonella and all this stuff. Yeah. We would like put on our tortoises on the table when we eat. And she would say, pet them while you eat. I mean, you know, it all that, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> but you know what? We all have good immune systems. <laughs> right? And that's why, like. And we were fine. Your yeah. stomach's like a rock. So, it's not that different, though, than having a dog on the table. I know salmonella, but dogs have other bugs. And I don't know. And I'm we not, say take I'm a bite advising, and I'll take a bite. I'm not suggesting bite. people do that. Yes. I'm just saying. Well, that's good to know, yeah, yeah. right? Well, there is the salmonella problem. <laughs> yes, they do shed. But, I, like, my dog sometimes come and lick my son's mouth when he's eating like what is like who knows what's inside uh, yeah and what he ate before and all yeah, that stuff it's right yeah poop. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly so we said okay so we had those you know the sweatshirts with the pockets in the front <gasps> and you put the toys we put in. each took two and put them in our pockets uh-huh. and we walked through security can you imagine nowadays no yeah. they would look like little bombs right yeah <laughs> like, you would yeah you know because they're like this perfect little shape so we and then we had these little tin so when we got on the plane we put them in the tin and then we would feed them the peas of the mm-hmm. The dinner, you know, they give us on the plane. And we had them for years. We brought them into the States and we had them for years. Oh, wow. They eventually passed away. We didn't have any knowledge. The lights, this. Yeah. they, But they lived for years mm-hmm. without, you know, w- literally sand and light, you mm-hmm. know. And then we give them whatever, yeah. you know, lettuce and, and whatever yeah. one does. But um, but that was really cool. We named them all different names. My grandmother did the same thing. She named all of hers from different cities in, in Egypt. And, oh. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's, so you during your childhood, you would go back and spend vacation and things there. And yeah. do you still have family there? Everyone. My mother actually lives there full oh, you, time. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, my mother went back. So she lives in Cairo. Um, and, I've, I, you know, our grandparents are no longer here. Um, but everyone else, uncles, aunts. And it's wonderful because I get emails from them like, you know, when it's beginning of Ramadan, you know, they say Ramadan, bar, like a happy Ramadan and um, and just checking in and I check in on them. And so I don't get to see them very often. I haven't been back probably mm-hmm. for maybe seven years or so. It's mm-hmm. been a while. Um, but I would like to bring Land and my son there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that certainly is half his heritage. And mm-hmm. so I think that for him, that's an important part that he needs to. I think it's important for him just to also see kids that look like him mm-hmm. and um, for his family, the extended family, to be able to meet him. He's such an important part to us and mm-hmm. um, he's like a big part of our hearts. And so Egypt is a huge part of my heart as well. And so I would like that to be able to intersect in some way. I don't know when. I mean, people say, right, you should wait until they can remember. Oh, do you think? I don't, I don't know. know. I think you get mem- sensorial memory, like smells and things. And I see that on my kids. Of really? course, they are older when we adopted them, so they have. But also, the, the memory fades a lot. Oh. My kids already confuse a lot of their past. Um, oh. They will mention things like, oh, when I was um, in the orphanage, I got this. I was like, no, I gave you that. Like, they will mix oh. everything. Or the, like, when we went to the beach and when we were in the orphanage, like, no, you were with us. Like, they mix. They but they have the mm-hmm. sensorial memories. That's very fascinating. Like sometimes as we are walking, they smell something. But like this smells like Brazil. So interesting. Or like this is this food tastes like the food I used to eat. Like they have the yeah. sensorial and yeah. tactile memory. Very strong. Interesting. I yeah. think some of us just have stronger senses, right? Yeah. So for for them, that's their strong yeah. sense too. Yeah. 
even bad smells sometimes they go like oh this smells reminds me of this and this and this we i do that too like i'll walk and i'll smell something i'll be like oh my god it smells like cairo yeah oh you know like you I, yeah, yeah and i'm sure you do the same yeah. thing right yeah, yeah. like there's certain things yeah so i'm excited to bring him and the family will be just still i'm so happy I'm my mother this is her first grandchild so she's Oh, she the first and last. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she had she had three. So your three. older sister and what does your older sister do? You mentioned she's a she does a um like neuromuscular energy work. Oh wow! Um, in DC, and she's married to a pro soccer, an ex pro soccer player who's now a sports agent. So he is sports agent for soccer players all over the world. Many of their uh, many of them must be Brazilian. I'm sure. Well, they go, they were just well, not just, but when the World Cup was in Brazil, yeah. they were there. Yeah, um, they go to all the World Cups and um, a lot of. I'm sure they have players in Brazil that, yeah. that that he represents a lot in Europe as well. So they go to Europe many times a year. So it's very interesting. And then my twin is a the one of the largest lion conservationists in the world. Right. How fascinating! Yeah, and so she's just doing it. And what I think you'll think very interesting is just like us, right? You do something long enough where you master it in your mind, and you're like, "What's next? What's like, next?" I I'm not being valued just doing this anymore. I know. There's much more to it. Okay, right? but is that good or bad? Like. I, I always have the next thing. I know. I he never stops. I go like, oh, when I finish my master's, that will be fine. And then I, okay, I now I need a PhD. When I finish my PhD, I'll be, oh, no, okay, now I need this. And then I move to the United States. And I need to validate my diploma. Okay, but now I need to do a residency to become a specialist yes, here. Oh, I no, know. wait, but now I finish my residency. I need to do this. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it never stops. This is the conversation I have with people all the time is why, why is it that there are people that are, can be vets, just either a general vet or a specialty vet, yeah. and they're happy with that the, for their whole life. I don't know happy is the right word, but they're content, they, content, content, right? Content, yeah. And um, is it a complacent thing where they just sit there and say, well, this is just life and I'm okay with it. But with you and I, and there's 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 a handful of us out there that just it's not enough. And we, I master and I think, I'm great at this, but I could be better at even something else. And it just, but what I think is, we use that information that you've mastered in your PhD and this mm-hmm. and that to, is a building block for your but next do you, thing. But do you celebrate your accomplishment? accomplishment? Not well. I don't. I know. Not well at I all. I was like, master's check. Okay, next. I know. Me PhD too. <laughs> Me too. Like, I know. My, I don't even know where my diplomas are. I don't either. No, like, they're somewhere. They're definitely they're in not a box hanging. Somewhere. They're definitely not <laughs> no. hanging on the wall. No. And <laughs> I like, it's just like, well, I mean, the one thing I thought I was going to celebrate, which is passing boards. We got the news that I passed on Sunday, and um, I was like crying so happy because it was uh, was so rough to pass. And on Monday, we got a phone call from the adoption agency saying, you need to be in Brazil in two weeks to pick up the kids. And the whole process supposed to take, well, people say it takes three to four years. And we were like, okay, oh, so we should apply now because it's going to take three to four years. Yeah. And we have, after I pass boards, we're going to have a year to, 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 to enjoy life. And yeah. Because, you know, you don't enjoy life. You put your life on hold when you're doing that. Of course. Um, and this, uh, like we get the, so it's ironically, it's ironic, but it, the process took nine months. So fast. From like filling out the first form, like I would like to adopt. Yeah. To actually going to pick them up. Oh it took a pregnancy time. Yeah, it did. It's so it ironic. Did. But anyway, yeah, so I didn't have time. But that's something. I'm always looking for the next thing, but I rarely do I celebrate what happened. It's I just know. like, oh, okay. The, it's like I don't – I take it for granted, but no, I'm not trying to be 
not rude is not the word. I'm not trying to be, um, how do you say, like, when your nose is always up? Like, like you don't, yeah, like, no, like, not snobby, snobby about it. Snobby, just or, like, yeah. it, like, I really celebrate that for other people. I do too. Like, I do oh too. my God, this is huge. I you know, but you when it comes to me, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always the next thing. I know. But I have a friend uh, called Thais Faraji, and she's like that too. And she says a lot. She has a, a platform, an Instagram. She's like a huge feminist, which I'm learning like how huge of a feminist I am right mm-hmm. now. But she, te- she says that, you know, she's like, I recognize that I like to be like that. Instead of suffering like, oh, I never celebrate, I, I never enjoy life yeah. i always looking for the next thing she's like i like that feeling and i need to of the next step oh the next step i she's like i definitely need to tailor how much i do because yeah. it's very easy for yes. us for us to overdo and dedicate Story so much time life. yeah so she's like i do need to calibrate how much time i spend but i do like that i do like to work i do i enjoy what i do independently of what i'm doing like, well, maybe I just need to convince myself that that's who I yeah, am. Yeah, but and... I don't know. I think that's a, co- I don't know. I would say that's a cop out. Instead of just dealing with the fact that we don't recognize our accomplishments and just saying, well, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I, we all, we crave the we more do. and the more, but it, 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 it sh- do you think it's an addiction? Well, I think it's an addiction, but I also think it's, there's something in us that feels that are we not, not, maybe not good enough, but you we shouldn't be ourselves. worth celebrating. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's something I totally deeper that. that I think all of us must have. And I'm not surprised when people go into veterinary medicine with that, the, the amount of stuff or baggage with that people have in veterinary medicine. Apparently, I think I read statistics a while ago that there's a significant amount of, I don't know, I'll use the word baggage that people mm-hmm. have in veterinary medicine, right? And that's where a lot of us go to animals for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can take care of animals because perhaps we weren't taken care of as well or whatever it may be, yeah. right? And so, but then, and no one necessarily celebrated our accomplishments at that time when we were young, so we don't know how mm-hmm. to do it, right? And so, but w- we probably then go above and beyond for other people or for our kids, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want them to have that. There's something in us that we want them to have the ability to celebrate for a day or a week mm-hmm. for their birthday. You know, people, some people, I mean, you almost think, geez, some people will say, it's my, my birthday week. And I'm like, birthday week? I barely, <laughs> I barely have a birthday day. Like, I'm just like, no, tell people, I have don't friends, even. They, yeah. they take the day off at work because it's my birthday. I'm going to take the day I off know. and celebrate myself. I'm like, what? Yeah. It's just a day. I know. But no, it's like the day you were born. I know. I know. I know. And I and some people will literally say, here's my week. I've decided to do breakfast here. I'm going to go yes. hike here. I'm yeah. going to go to a party here. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, this is – sh- I mean, we should celebrate ourselves like that. So this year for, I, I think, the first year, I'm going to take a half a day. This was, like, the best I could uh, – I was like, great. I'm going to work half take- a day. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to go home because this is our fir- my first year – with him, right? Like to be able to say, I'm celebrating my birthday with my boy and I want to make sure I'm there with him before he goes to sleep, right? Yeah. So like, I don't know what half a day in oncology When is your means. birthday? Uh, next Wednesday. Oh. This Wednesday coming up. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. How old are you going to be? You don't 41. have to say. 41. 41. It's something else. Something else. I'm, I'm turning 39 in April, so I'm like, I wait for the 40. Is it a change? I think so. I you think do. so. I mean, it was a big, it, for me, it was a big thing. I had to sit with it for a second. Like, I I'm know. starting to think about that already because yeah. realistic is kind of half of your life a little bit. Yeah, and, totally. And it's just, what have I done? 
What have what I done? Do you see? <laughs> How much more time do I have left to do all the have things I that are on my list? Have I changed the world yet? <laughs> Is the world still there? It's like, have I made much of a difference? Oh, I know. I don't think I do. And a lot of it's why I started it ahead. It's like, how much of a difference am I making in that hospital? Mm. Great hospital. I'd love to work. I yeah. love to do what I do, but we are working with privileged people that have means. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't there they could find the help somewhere else. Mm-hmm, Am I mm-hmm. helping all the other people out there? You know what I mean? I start going to this like mind thing. Like, I don't know. I'm not religious. And also like, why do I exist? I go like yeah, deep. No, I know. I driving to work. I know. It's like, why this is like, you know, I think, is this the matrix? Like, why are we here? Do you believe in yeah. God? I, I, I do. Okay. I what? do. Okay. Muslim. What Muslim. We, yeah, I grew up Muslim. I'm not super, I, I would say I'm certainly not devout. Uh-huh. Um, but I have, I think a lot of the ways I've been so disciplined and kind of stayed in the straight and narrow is, um, is having the religion behind me. It's helped me a lot, you know? I know. I do think that the lack of religion causes this, like, like thing in my brain because the religion in one way kind of explains the reasoning behind everything and a bigger, something bigger than a you. Higher, and, yeah, it's like yeah. a high, there's like, it's a higher spirit up there. There's yeah. some sort of spirit that's over us. I believe there's a, there's this universe that we can't, I like to, at least for me, who's so controlling, I say sometimes I can't control it. It's the universe I control. Oh, no, I totally believe in the right? universe. I just don't know what's moving the universe. Ah, you know, is that yeah. a, an advanced race that is doing this? So they have energy and they are like, or is it God and God from multiple different religions? Are they all, yeah. is it all the same God? Yeah. yeah. I still cannot wrap my brain like if there is a God, why did God create us just to see us playing? Like, is that he was born or she was born? I should say she. She. She was born and yeah. she created like something. To, I don't know. See, like my yeah. brain goes that way yeah. and I don't drive. Yeah. It's an hour and a half drive. Yeah. So you you must Is it know. that far from Agora yeah. Hills? Well, it, it's like at least an hour. Um, um, well, no traffic. Let's say Sundays is 28 minutes. But, but you know what? That's I I thought I really doesn't bother me because I take PCH. I look at the ocean. Like coming here today, oh, I saw beautiful. the sea lions playing, Aww. and so I'm like I don't mind. Do you sit there? Because what I do is when I see that, I think, how lucky am I to how live here? How privileged I'm yeah. having a crisis of how privileged I am. Yeah, I'm having a crisis yeah. of that. Yeah, like yeah, you stop at a beautiful bakery. I mean, there's who does a, that? yeah, no, it's and then I see the ocean, and I then know. I see sea lions. <laughs> And then I, I see a little baby I when I come. Like, I know. Who like has that in life? I know. And I, I apply my push. beauty products in the morning and my beautiful bathroom. I and know. while my beautiful kids were playing and my daughter made a drawing for me. Oh, it's like, oh. yeah. and I'm like going like, I'm so privileged. I never, even my struggles, they were all privileged struggles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I worked very hard. Of course. But I have the opportunity like other people work very hard and go nowhere. Mm-hmm. No, it, and there was there was there's no chance for advancement for people. Yes, you know? and I think a lot of people will say, "Oh, because everyone can have a chance." Well, no, not necessarily. That's true. not true right. at all. Right, and these are p- maybe perhaps people that haven't traveled and seen yeah. the world, and you don't even have to travel. You can go to parts yeah. of LA where you yeah. see that's the case. Right? Yeah. Yeah, which I think is important. Talking about kids, it's like they need to experience that. Yeah. You know, I think our kids growing up in L.A. and, you know, parts of L.A. and Agora Hills and, you know, like they need to see the other parts of Los Angeles. So, you know what's funny? Well, not funny. Interesting is because it's not funny at all. My kids, again, adopted later, right? Ten and eight. They live through the wars, right? And but a few years here and now we need to teach them privilege. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, did you forget mm-hmm. what happened? Like, did you forget that? You know what I mean? Yeah, of course I do. I mean, and one of side is good because it means that they're resilient and like, you mm-hmm. know, they are adapting and doing great. But it is something that we do need to teach them. Like privilege. This is a privilege to have a TV to watch this. Mm-hmm. This is a privilege. But then the fact that they forget that so easily, right? I don't know if it's forget or maybe it's like they somehow force it out of their brains just because I was, think so. You know? I think that because we went back to Brazil in November and we were driving through like poor parts of it. And my son was like, whoa, the house is here really ugly and dirty. Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, but in some, you know, not everybody has opportunities and all but he totally forgot that that was home before yeah isn't that interesting yeah Yeah. no absolutely so is it a conscious thing for them like is it conscious that they just want to get it out of their heads because it was such a rough time you know because you can easily i think compartmentalize compartmentalize right where it's like this was a different life i don't even want to know whatever happened let's move on to the new life which is amazing right yeah i don't know it is interesting Back to Kyra. So your whole family's there and mom is there. And was your mom always like a working mom and always? Yeah, she worked for the World Bank for quite Mm -hmm. a while. And then she started doing tons of other little jobs. And, you know, at the end, she started to work at bookstores. I say the end because she stopped working in the States and then went back to Egypt to take care of her mother. Um, And now she does a lot of volunteer work at the American. There's an American school there that has a bookstore and things like that. So she's there. How old were you when she went back? I was, God... I don't, you know, it's tough with the age thing. I always think of where I was in school, right? That's how I can mm-hmm, figure it out mm-hmm. so I could work backwards. I want to say I think it was right after, you know, probably vet school So you're not at home anymore when she went back? You were oh, not living yeah, together I was anymore? Out. Okay, you I were was not out. I left, yeah, I left immediately after high school. I never went back. Mm-hmm. Um, went to school in Baltimore. I actually lived in a really kind of dangerous area of Baltimore. Have you seen The Wire, that movie, the, that no. show, The Wire? It's like a show about... The ghetto parts of Baltimore where uh-huh. they sold the drugs and gunfire and stuff like that. So I lived right there, um, but I had my dog who protected me, which was, he was my life, um, and kept me very safe. Because people... Oh, what was his name? Otis. Otis. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Otis. Um, he was a lab. A lab. Yeah, yellow lab. Right up there. There he is. Yeah, and you have a painting too, I saw. Yes, in, right? the, in Landon's yeah. room. He's right over Landon watching oh, him when he sleeps. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, but, you know, it's funny. Wherever I lived... If I lived in Baltimore, I lived in Alabama and Tuskegee and not, is not, not a nice area either. Everyone would always say, that's a beautiful white pitbull. And I'd say, okay. Uh, okay. I'll, yeah. Because that's, yeah. you know, he protected me. Exactly. Yeah. I had a green thing. Did you? Yeah. And I could only walk around like if I wanted to. And, and now at the time I didn't have this, it was not conscious like to think, to think like again, feminist, right? Because I'm a woman, yeah. a girl at the time. Yeah. I couldn't walk alone. I couldn't, I couldn't wear short shorts this is in Brazil I, yeah I couldn't wear like I couldn't show my body it was always like in my mind but I never thought about this is wrong uh, this is effed up like mm-hmm. and, and but I would do it like never show your body a mm-hmm. saggy stuff so people you yeah. know if you're gonna walk don't walk in the dark don't don't oh, do this God. don't do that but so I had a Grand Dane which was the dumbest dog like he oh would not attack God, your a kid. fly right but no one knew but no one knew and he yeah. was huge how much did he weigh so I don't remember but he was like 100 super and tall. yeah he was super tall. Oh, and so I, I would that. walk with him to exercise. What was his name? Lamarck. Lamarck. So I would walk with him and um, to protect me. And so so people would still 
like you know i don't know how you grew up but like when you're walking and and guys do like a few few i don't know how you call that in english like they whistle they will still whistle and yeah. they still have that verbal harassment yeah yeah but nobody will get near me because of him thank yeah. god for him yeah but if they tried he pr would probably help uh, because he was so silly <laughs> like he's so sweet you know he's like, like i'll roll over yeah, you can roll my yeah, belly yeah please <laughs> but yeah nobody got near me because of that it was like a It's like a facade. You put it out there. Just yeah. says he's he's my guard dog. You should have put yeah. chains on him or yes. something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I did have those spiky things. Yeah, like, that's the way to do I know. it. <laughs> But yeah, so you grew up like that too. Yeah, I think. Well, so I grew up in D.C., really nice parts of D.C. So I actually grew up in a really nice area and went to high school in a nice area, and so it was all really safe there. And then it's funny. Just as soon as you run out of money, right? Like then, then things change very quickly. So going to college, I didn't really have. I mean, who? What college student has any money? And I lived off campus because I had the dog. So I paid fifty dollars a month to live. Wow. Um, yeah, in this hood of an area, um, but it was a home. There was we had. Um, We had mice all over the house, right? And I remember I was the worst. And of course, your dog didn't do anything nothing, about it. Nothing. <laughs> he'd sleep through it. He would like wake you up and, hey, go yeah, take care of yeah, the mice. Yeah, there was like, I mean, you'd see them running. And, and the worst part was, you know, you have whatever food you could afford, right? Like crackers and this. Uh -huh. You go in at night, open up the cabinet, and the crackers were like half eaten by the mice. And it would just be like, when you start like cutting, <laughs> cutting your crackers to the parts they didn't eat, right? Then you know things, life has gotten real tough. Um, where do you draw the line where like there is no there was no it was just something and so then I said well I have to get a cat because cat will kill oh us. sure right so I go outside and there's stray cats everywhere so I the first cat I ran into was a, a, a orange and white tabby and I was like hey you want to come inside and live with me and so I just picked up this cat brought him inside and he became our cat and his name was we just named him cat That's his name was Cat, and his job was to kill the mice. Did he? It was amazing. I would, oh nice. So if I hear the mice up in the cabinet, like scurrying in the cabinet, I put I throw the cat in the cabinet with it and close the door, and you're like bam, 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 bam. It was like a like a like Tom and Jerry, come, you know, uh, show. Oh, like, I gotta grow up with that. Yeah. Oh, Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Totally. It was just like bam, 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 and then the, and then. Cat comes flying out of the cabinet, but then there's like three dead mice. It was amazing. Oh wow! And yep, so he was awesome. I there was a lot of mice downstairs in the basement. I'd throw him down in the basement. He'd come up with like I don't know how many. He was he was the, the it was machine. the perfect cat. Yeah. Um, and then I brought him down to Alabama with me, and it didn't last for long because he really hated it down there. Mm -hmm. So we ended up just bringing him back to Baltimore. Mm -hmm. um, but he was I mean he served his purpose like mm -hmm. he was an awesome and we served we did yeah, our job yeah, which yeah. was we fed take, him yeah, take care of um him. and he would sleep I mean it was so we'd he'd sleep there was no heat really so we'd sleep in the bed with me and the dog because it was so cold so I'd be like come on guys this is like a perfect like pre-vet student right I was like come on guys and the dog would get it in the dirty cat would get in and we'd all sleep in this little bed oh my god it was You see, no, I didn't even have that because my parents paid for my college and everything. Oh, nice. Do you see what I'm saying? Like how much privilege? Yeah. And in Brazil, the culture is a little different too. Like you don't leave your house when, oh, you, when yeah, you go to when college. Become, unless you go into college in a different town. Oh, but uh, you went to college in your town? Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I did leave my house on my own because I wanted to, but I didn't have to. I, mm. I left, I think I was 19 or something. But you don't have to. In Brazil, it's very common. Like you stay 
to the thirties, nice and that? you leave your house when you get married, yeah. like yeah, same which is with totally in Egypt, yeah, yeah, same not, with Egypt, yeah. Like not once nice, you're ta- you know, once you're taken by a man, there you, then, yeah, then you yeah. off you go. As, However, you know. I left without a man, but yeah. yeah, because I'm like like that. But yeah, that was the thing in Brazil. So it's very so you still get fed, you still get your laundry, laundry done. done. You don't need yeah. to worry like about rent or like. Heat. You know what I mean? Heat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. we don't worry about heat in Brazil. No, I mean, the very south they do, but like where I was, in the like, winter no. there, you don't need heat. I don't even have hot water in the. You're kidding? No. Like in the well, the shower, yes, but not in the sink. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say in the shower. Oh no, like, the shower for sure, yeah. but like sink is not a not a thing because it's already so hot. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. everything. Drives pretty quick and yeah. Oh yeah, I come the, from where I grew up is. Um, as dry as LA. It's very the no weather way. is like very similar to LA. Oh. Brasilia, the capital. Very Wait, so what's they the have capital? a main Brasilia. That's the name of the capital of Brazil? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So Brasilia is in the middle of nowhere. In the sixties, the president back then decided to transfer the capital from Rio de Janeiro to this yeah. town that did not exist. In. He oh. built the town. Oh, that's incredible. To like, try to get more people to come there. Yes. And in is in the middle of the country. That's where and, you lived. Mm-hmm. And oh. there was nothing. There was nothing. It was just like nature. And so can you imagine a president saying, no. well, I guess we could imagine a president today <laughs> saying, I'm going to build a town. Yeah. But <laughs> As, I'm going to build a wall. I'm yeah, going to build yeah, a town. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, so he built the town and transferred the capital there. And so it was so dry, they had to build a man-made lake so no people could way. breathe. No way. So there's a huge man-made lake. So we can actually breathe. But you know how in some places they stop school here because of snow? Yeah, yeah. So course. there, every time the humidity hit like 10%, we wouldn't go to school because it was too dangerous. Like if we moved, if you go outside, your nose will bleed. You can't breathe. What? Yeah, because humidity is so low. Oh, my God. So during the dry season, we would miss school. School would close because the humidity was That's so low. That's incredible. Yeah. And then what did you do at home? Did you have humidifiers in the yeah. house? Oh, yeah. Humidifiers. Oh, okay. uh, like my childhood was growing up with wet towels on your bed stand, like on, around your bed. To keep the and moisture. To keep them. And the, the towels would be like you put them soaked wet at night and they would be dry in the morning. Oh, my God. And then God. humidifiers and all of that. God, yeah. I think that's so But awesome. I also privileged that my house, my, house, my father installed this um, misting system. So he would just press a button. Like, how nice is that? That's all. Yeah. So what did your dad do? Like, how did he know how to do that? My dad is MacGyver. Oh, yeah. That's my awesome. dad is, uh, my dad is so incredible. My mom is incredible as well. But my dad was one that taught me a lot of like feminist things with my mom too, by example. But like, for instance, when I, he got my car, I got a car. He gave yeah. me a car. Yep. Like who, yeah. who gets a yeah, car? Yeah, no. When I, I, I turned 18. In Brazil, you can only drive when you're 18. Okay. So he gave me, like, a my mom and him, not him. They gave me a used car, but yeah. nice car, uh, but it just drove. very simple. Yeah. And he told me, here are the keys, but you can only get the keys. You can get a car if you change the tire in front of me. Oh, I love it. I'm like, what? I'm not going to change the tire. He yeah. was like, oh, yeah. Because if you don't know, again, there was no cell phone. Yeah, that's smart. And if you get somewhere where it's dark, there's nobody, and you have a flat tire, you need to change it. Otherwise, something bad's going to happen. Jeez. So he made me change the tire. I was so mad. But do you know how to do it to this day? I probably can do it, yeah. yeah. But now, great. like, with phones and... You and, just call it AAA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So that was, like, my struggle. And so I put that I, in if quotes. I go on a road trip, I'll bring you along just in case oh, yeah. something happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he, um, he also took me off-road 
and taught me how to drive on, on sand, oh, on dirt, awesome. on everything. He's like, you need to know, because if you need to do something, if you are in an area that you need to, like, he taught me all of that. That's incredible. He taught me how to ride my motorcycle. We shared a motorcycle. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Do you still ride? I don't. I witnessed like a motorcycle that in oh. front of me. Well, that was the first person I saw dying. And that was and it. And that, that marked me so much. Yeah. It was not, a, I didn't know the person. I was actually driving my car when I saw that. It just, like, after that, I was like, oh, wait, this is real. Mm. And, and again, I think it's different to, to ride a motorcycle in Brazil and here. And here totally is more, I will different. be more as a, not my main mean of transportation will be more like a weekend thing. That's what I did for so long. Yeah. yeah. No, but, it's nice. It, there's something really freeing about motorcycles yeah. and yeah. cars. Just no matter if you, I remember I yeah. got a motorcycle and then I got a convertible thinking I could get the same feeling and it wasn't the same feeling. Yeah. Just being on two wheels. Yeah. And next to the ocean, I mean, you oh, just can't ask for yeah. anything better. Exactly. So, but it's really unsafe in LA. Like it it's is. one of the, I think it's probably one of the most unsafe places to ride motorcycles. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I would get from, you know, go from point A to point B. And I would, when I got to point B, I'd say, oh my God, I can't believe I survived that. You know, and it was starting to become like a very common theme. Yeah. And I don't remember how, I've had too many close incidents where I was starting to get nervous and I was like, I shouldn't be. And then yeah. now with the baby, it was like a no-brainer. Yeah, you can't that. put yeah, you can't put your life in danger. But I had a, a motorcycle that was so tall, and I, <laughs> of course, my father's like, "It's too tall for you." He was like, "No, I want this motorcycle." And I, I had so many falls when oh, I would like gosh. because it was it was tall to a point I could only put my feet like just barely yeah. touch the, the yeah. ground, and so sometimes if the train the traffic would stop on a bump or something, and my motorcycle was on top of a bump, I couldn't reach. The, so what did you do? Did you fall? fall. Over. <laughs> <laughs> And then you would just get up and pick the motorcycle up? And go. Really? <laughs> I can I can see that. I'm like, do you want help? No. Why would I want help? I just like I my motorcycle. Was it a big bike? It was not big as in like large. It was just very tall. Like a it's um, kind of a, like a dual type of yeah, thing. Yeah, dual sport or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. It was very cool though. That's but, <laughs> so that's how I felt like many times. It was never like speeding or anything like that but those silly <laughs> things that i couldn't reach <laughs> and my father's like this is stupid i was like i don't care I i'm gonna do it <laughs> and you're a kid so you fall over you're like gumby you get right back up now you fall over it's like we break something yeah. and i rode horses my entire life and my oh, father was great. so like um part like my partner with all of that and i will fall so much i'll fall almost daily oh my god yeah it's so scary and as an adult i went and uh, to ride horses and i felt i could barely breathe yeah, like, I, know. I was like, what's happening to me? Jesus, this it's is not, dangerous. It's not the same way as when you were a kid. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So how how did that shape you up? Like I was talking about how my father, my mother, like my mom working, always working. My mom always worked. She was never a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that shape you? Like going back to Cairo, like that those experiences and your parents... I mean, I would say that we had a lot of nannies, right? We had a lot of nannies, um, but we were super independent, right? I mean, I would say in Washington, D.C., in second and third grade, we were walking to school. Mm -hmm. Would you imagine doing that with God, him? no. No, never. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if I lived in Washington, D.C., I'd never do it, right? Yeah. Like, we would walk yeah. a mile to a school in a mile. We were cat you know, latchkey, is what they say, right? Latchkey kid. And we'd get home, and my sister and I would... You know, my older sister might go off and like do some painting or something like that. And then Leela and I, my twin and I would get on. Our oh, her name is Leela? Leela. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, she would get on, we get on our bicycles and ride around. The, I mean, we just rode around. We'd go to the corner yeah. store and get an ice cream and then keep running, riding. And 
we would create so much trouble, do stuff we shouldn't do, and then run, you know, ride away in our bikes and ride up and down these stairs. We would, you know, always challenge each other. Can you go down 12 stairs? Okay. Can you go down 15 stairs? Can you go down 15 stairs as a wheelie? Can you, and we just like you would fall and get right back up. And we, you know, parents would get home at night. Because sometimes yes. we didn't have, you know, yes, we didn't even exactly. have the nanny. We'd get home at night and yeah. like time for dinner. And they're like, why do you look like that? You know, we're scratched up and well, we're fine. You know, but so that was a, a lot of it. We were very, very, very independent for sure. And I think that that has certainly shaped us to where we are now. I mean, leaving, you know, right after high school and going to Baltimore, going to Alabama in the middle of nowhere. And my twin, you know, going to Tanzania and then going, living in Kenya for the last 13 years, right? Like in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the bush, right? Uh, and dealing with poachers and like, that is a scary, that's yeah. very scary. But it's kind of like, we but you were get equipped used with it, right? Yes. Like we were equipped yeah. with the skills to be yeah. able to handle life like that. And I was never afraid living anywhere I, or, you know, anywhere I yeah. lived. And I, I had that independence, I think at a very young age. And I, you know, my wife is the same way. She grew up in, in Boston and her and her sister, she had two other sisters as well. So it was three and three on both sides for us. She, um, she did everything around Boston by herself, ran, you know, I mean, they just created trouble, these three, you know, and, but like fun trouble, nothing terrible. Yeah. yeah, No, the same with me. yeah, Yeah. Right. And I just think that not having that that helicopter mom approach that mm-hmm. none of us had, yeah. right, is why we are such independent business owners, right, doing our own yes. thing. And that's what I tell my mom. My mom mm-hmm. sometimes goes like in a spiral nowadays, like, oh, I wasn't a good mom because I wasn't around yeah. so much. I was like, you don't understand. The reason I'm here today, mm-hmm. the reason I have all of this is because you taught me to be independent. Mm-hmm. Totally. But she goes in this spiral sometimes like, oh, I'm not a good mom because I, I didn't. Like, she yeah. never, like, cooked for us or baked for us. You know, that classical, yeah. come home, there's a warm yeah. cake. She would buy the cake. Yeah, that's but nice. But, again, privilege, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I don't know. My mom, I has cooked occasionally. But it was, like, American. I mean, we yeah. they were, like, an Egyptian family that was tried to make us so American. I don't know if it was the same with mm-hmm. you. Like, they were so proud to have American kids. And mm-hmm. we would go to Egypt with, like, a T-shirt that said, like, God bless America, <laughs> you know, like, and like, you got to wear, you know, and my cousins were like, can we have that t-shirt? We're like, yeah, here, you know, and they loved everything American. And I mean, it's so funny. God, can, can you imagine? God bless America. We'd probably get shot, you know, <laughs> gonna say that. The, the Arab going that with the God bless be America would no, no, be really no, bad. That would, that, that would not fly well. <laughs> so do you, how do you feel like, do you think you're going to be able to do that to your son? Like teach that level of independence? We want to, we're just, I mean, it's hard because it, of that's society what now that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. i mean look how you are with your kids right yeah. like yeah you can't let them just i mean we talked about it the other day yeah. right like just having them go off and do stuff is scary nowadays yeah. Yeah. because it's it's just times have changed in such significant ways where the safety factor is no longer there and the trust of neighbors being good yes. and not saying neighbors yeah. aren't wonderful there are certainly some yeah. um but it's not what it used to be in mm-hmm. I I think I'd be too afraid. Um, living in Los Angeles, I would be too afraid. And it sucks because being in Boston and as my wife and being in D.C. in such big cities, that's why we are who we are, mm-hmm. right? And we have our street smarts. Yep. And street smarts yep. allows us to get through life in such a, a, a equipped way, right? Um, and I don't know how... There's got to be a way. And maybe living something like in Agora Hills. So yes. So you're, you're a town away f- yes. from big it's city, scary. It's definitely better. Like, we feel comfortable for the most part. I mean, there are racial components I worry about. But 
in terms of like we live in a cul-de-sac and it's like the third cul-de-sac in a row so like the only cars that go there are really the people that live there so i don't worry Super about safe. them yeah. being ran over by a car or and like or kidnapped or kidnapped correct which also scares me a lot i know like does. when we go to parks and stuff and like you cannot go to the bathroom without talking to me and then we go to the bathroom like my son i can't go in the men's yeah. bathroom and then i stay outside mommy's here yeah if there's like, anything <laughs> you scream i will yeah, go there I like know, so there's a weirdo in there they know <laughs> I'm outside and I'm like a mama bear. Yeah, of course and you are. So, but just yeah. think about when you were a kid. You were, no, what, I you'd would go just... for two towns over to the bathroom and then come back. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> and so like I used to ride my bike to school and it was like about a 30 mile thing. Jeez. Yeah. 30 miles. Yeah. My mom wasn't happy about it, but it was never like a safety. Like, I guess, of course, I was a safety concern. But like, yeah, like you said, it was not a thing back in the 80s. No. But we're tough because of it, right? And I think as women especially, that's, I think, a tremendous gift you can give a a, a little girl to give her the ability to have street smarts. Not that a boy isn't that important. But but that's what I tell my... You're not going to have a problem with that with your boy. The world is going to raise your boy to be tough. Mm. You're going to need to... Like, sorry, I'm not giving you advice. Yeah, no, no, please. What I tell my son, he's like... I don't... Because, like, I teach Chloe to be strong and independent. And I teach Bo to be kind. And the boy was like, well, why don't you teach me to be strong? I said, I don't have to. The, the, world, the world will teach you. I need to tame you. I need to teach yeah. you to be kind and yeah. compassionate and yeah. sensitive. And in the world, we teach Chloe to be cared for. And so we had this long conversation uh, because they have birthdays. And like his birthday's um, October and hers is November. Oh, so okay. they get presents kind of yeah. in a similar time. Yeah. And I we were having a conversation about that. I talk a lot about feminism with them. It's like brainwash yeah. in a good way yeah no I but think so. i pointed out everything so the presence was like okay bo and they were like like oh look what i got look what i got whatever and I'm like okay let's look at the gifts you guys got and they were like okay i was like what are the colors of the gifts mm. and it's like his is all like strong colors blue green whatever hers is like pink purple yeah. sparkly yeah yeah you yeah, know yeah. what i mean you name it yeah and i was like okay what are yours and he got legos he got superheroes and yeah. he goes and she got painting jewelry making i was like what do you think that teaches you Bo? like mm-hmm. if you get a superhero or lego it teaches mm-hmm. he was like oh it helps me build things yeah. you know it helps me be strong i was like what do you think that doll teaches chloe and he looked at me and he was like to to be a mom i'm like yep yeah. Are you learning how to be a dad? He was like, I guess not. I was like, that's how society is going to do mm-hmm. to you guys. We need to fight that. So everything I point out, he was talking about comic books. He likes comic like he's Spider-Man. And so... That was great. And they were talking about his dad and him. Like, they were talking about who is the strongest superhero. And I'm just hearing that. I'm in yeah. the living room. Yeah. And then I'm working in the living room on my computer. I'm listening to that. And like he's like, oh, Superman. Ah, and You're whatever, like, Batman. Have you seen Wonder Woman? And I was like... Do you guys notice you didn't say any woman's name? Yeah. And he and they were like, oh. I was like, you know, you need to put effort on being inclusive. And I was like, tell me the superheroes that are women. And they could only name like a couple. And I was like, what do you think that's, that is, Bo? What do you think there are mm. no strong mm. female characters there? He was like, I don't know. I was like, why do you... Th- and I was like... And you noticed that you didn't mention any black characters either. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, why do you think that is? And he was like, well, I don't know. I was like, well, think about who writes the comic books. Mm. And he was like, do you... I said, if you were going to write a comic book, how would you make that character? That's how it started. He was like, 
wow, I will make it a boy and I will make it brown. I was like, yeah, exactly. So who do you think wrote those? He was like, oh, white guys. I was like, you bet. So Mm -hmm. when you have your company, because I tell them, I never say when you have a job. I say when you have your company, you make sure to hire half of your staff to be color Mm -hmm. and half of the staff to be women so we can have comic books for everybody yeah and so like i always like but you need like it's an exercise because you just you just i just noticed that as i'm teaching them like oh yeah this is not okay you know yeah it's interesting you're right because what we spend i mean he's only nine months but we spend the time we spend with him is very loving kindness like and he's still so young but he's so loving because of it like, and like he really he, is. You see, yeah. I mean, he, you go to, he goes to you and yeah. he's just hanging with you, yeah. right? He's very sweet and yeah. loving. And I think that's a really important thing to teach because we want to be able to bring up yeah. good men out there yeah. for sure. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he needs to like, oh, he, I mean, boys. I think the only way we're going to change that is if we teach our boys exactly to make the change. About. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Because they hold the power. Mm-hmm. And we can scream as much as we want and, and want and burn as many bras as we want to burn. Yeah. But if men that hold the power are not willing to make the change, mm-hmm. is it really going to change? No, it's so sad. You know what I mean? It's so sad. So I agree with everything you're saying. And I think, unfortunately, where the government currently is and yeah. where things look like they're going in March of 2020, yeah. right? Like. We're basically a few months away from, you know, perhaps it's staying exactly the same or getting worse, yeah. right? Um, which is really sad. And how do we make the change except do it with the children? Because yes. you can't change the mindset. Yeah. Well, it's very difficult it to is. change the mindset it of is people that have been very. set in their ways for so long. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really sad. I've been, I've been sexist my whole life without even noticing, yeah. like unintentionally course, about like telling, like the other day I would tell my, I, I was going to tell her, cross your legs. I'm like, wait a second. Why am I telling her to yeah. cross her legs? Yeah. Like, no, of course we all grew up in it. You I mean, know what you I mean? It's, it's ingrained yeah. in who we are. So you have to say, well, how do I then change that? Yeah. And also show your daughter that you don't have to be that yeah. way. Like, yeah. I'm going to be the woman that changes the tire yes. or does it. Yes. And that That's will inspire her. her to do the same yes. thing, right? Yeah. And you don't, I, I was, you know, you're 37, I think, when you had them, when you got yeah, them. Yeah, about that. Right? Yeah, 37. Yeah, two years ago. So it's. I didn't have, I didn't go, I didn't go, you know, have you guys or get you guys when you were, when I was 28 or 25, mm-hmm. like a woman yeah. should. Yeah. I have a yeah. full career and have doctorates yeah. and have yeah. this and that. When I was settled and ready and I had a, in our world ever accomplished, we never <laughs> accomplished, but somehow accomplished parts of our, yeah. our mission in life, yeah. then it's time, right? Yes. And, and I think that goes into the idea of, well, now that we've gotten so far in our life, how much of it then is dedicated to the family, yeah. right? And it's really hard because we fight against that. Mm-hmm. We are not these women that stay at home and take care mm-hmm. of our kids. There's so much more. But what they bring us is a type of joy and happiness that we don't get when no. we get a doctorate or we don't get when we get our past our mm-hmm. boards. They allow us, I think, to celebrate every day that that's we can't true. celebrate ourselves, right? So, and maybe that's okay, right? Maybe it's okay to say, we're celebrating what we've been given, like the yes. amazing gift of these kids yes. that teach us things that we couldn't teach ourselves, mm-hmm. that we don't even know how, the t- we don't have the tools, but they are giving us those tools. And I think that I, you know, I reduced my days at VCA. I think we've talked mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. I was working four days and then I'm now three days and 
what a difference it's made being around him, right? My level of happiness has increased. Perspective, right? Totally. And my my ability to say, well, I get to have some of this day with him. And then the other day I get to work on my business stuff, mm-hmm. right? And but it's it's my it's my working for me and the better good of uh, of the ch- the change that I can bring in this world and the change I can bring in this world through a veterinary hospital is much much smaller. It's on a it's on a case yes. by case, and I'm not saying that that's not powerful mm-hmm. individually. Impactful for some families, yeah, yeah, totally. Like I am feel very honored to be part of that. Mm-hmm. It's more of how do I then get to a much bigger level and, and impact a larger level of people and animals? And by having him, he gave me the ability to cut back and then be able to help more. Isn't right? that crazy yeah. that you need to add chaos to, in a good way, chaos, yes, but still to have peace. How was the decision for you to be a mom? Because I particularly never, was never like, a, oh my God, I'm going to grow and have kids. Of course not. It was never yeah. like that. Yeah. Based off of what <laughs> you've described. And um, choosing to adopt older kids was a selfish feminist choice. Huh. I, in theory, biologically can have kids. I never tried. Um, but biologically, in theory, I can. I never tried. So I don't know. I might, I, I, in theory, I'm fertile. Yeah. But I did not want to go through pregnancy. Why? It's not about aesthetics because I, I don't care about that. Well, I do, but not that was yeah, not the I'm reason. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I like to take care of myself and all, but I was like, why am I going to put my body through this? It's risky. Mm-hmm. I am not young anymore. I might even have like an, a natural abortion, like mm-hmm. lose a baby. The mm-hmm. percentage is so high mm-hmm. when we reach 35 and up. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, it was not appealing to me. Like, I hate milk. I'm like, I want to, I'm going to have milk coming out of my, yeah. like, <laughs> the whole idea. And, and then I, I'm going to be exhausted after. I'm going to be sleep deprived, but also physically deprived because I went through labor. It doesn't matter how, what you choose. The labor yeah. you choose is going to yeah. be rough. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. And I can't die. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, these are all really bad reasons to have a baby. And like, and you can convince anyone not to have a baby. I know, but if you, you actually think about it, because I think a lot of women make this decision organic, like everybody does it. So I must do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's time. And so I was right? just like, uh, no, I don't want. But it took me a while to actually recognize that. So I thought I didn't want kids. But what actually what I didn't want was to get pregnant. Yeah. And yeah. so it was one day on YouTube, like silly YouTube uh, suggested a video. Uh, to me and it was a video it was a a woman holding a newborn baby and there was a glass of wine in front of her and so i was like wait that sounds right can you is that what you were thinking yeah i was like can you drink when you're nursing i thought you couldn't so i was like what is it is science evolved so i clicked on it and she was she had adopted the baby i was like oh wait i can do that i can wake up at 2 a.m and drink wine while i nurse the baby and the milk is not coming out of my boobs yep 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 and so that's why we start studying about adoption and then we learned that majority of kids up for adoption are older and i was like wait i can adopt older and they are not babies yeah and i can't even more this is more appealing yeah yeah it comes with baggage there's nothing perfect like adoption starts with loss so that's a big thing Mm -hmm. uh but yeah that was how but we that was not well accepted necessarily when people found out it was very well accepted when they thought i was infertile the moment they will say, oh, did you try everything? And I'll say, no, oh. I didn't try anything. The, it was a game changer. That's so hard. It's such a, there's such a judgment. Game changer. Versus it should be the complete opposite. Like what 
an angel. Yeah. Like there are all these kids out there and you could have had your own, but instead you helped the world by You take, see, but yeah. I did on out of selfishness. Like, so it bothers me when people say that because I didn't do that with those motives. You know what I mean? I feel like imposter. Well, but, no, but, but what do you mean selfish? Like, like, tell me how it was selfish. Because I didn't want to get pregnant. That's not, no, that's not selfish. Is what it not? Mean? No, of course not. Selfish would be, I really need these kids to start working for my company. Oh, that's a good idea. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you gave me an idea. No, no, no. I mean, but that's selfish. Is I'm taking these kids yeah, for I my guess. own. Yeah. No, it's not selfish at all. I think that there's a, I mean, you could have had your own kids, but you had the, a, a heart big yeah. enough yeah. to take kids that have had a lot of history of, you know, a rough upbringing. Mm -hmm. And you have the patience and the love to be able to bring them in and help them through their journey, yeah. right? And they were able to help you too. I think it's an amazing and amazing and amazing gift. I, I think that most people can't do what you did. I'll so, take it. No, How was it for true. you? The decision? Like, did you want to have kids? Was I, that something? No, I was like you. I didn't, I didn't care either way. I was so career focused and, and so again, they're so independent. Like I have all this stuff I need to get done. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was never an end to the get done. Yeah. Right. As yeah. we discussed initially. Um, and then I met Amanda, who is the kindest human being ever, um, who's my, my wife now. And she, how old were you when you met? Oh, her? um, it was like four years ago. Okay. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah four oh, years for ago. some reason I thought you had been together for like, Forever. yeah, like, you guys look like a couple that has been together for, yeah. well, I don't just, know, I think it's when 15, you, 20 years, you know what I mean? It's like when you know, yeah. you know, right? Like it's like a perfect match. And um, and she actually was on the adoption list. I think I told you part of this, right? She was on the adoption list for probably two years To or adopt so. independently? Correct. Bad ass. Yeah. Yeah. She was going to adopt in the States, you know, and so that she... Is, I, I cannot tell how... Like how, in a good way, like how bad she is. It's not easy process to yeah. go alone. Mm -hmm. And then when, when you even have the kid with you, it's the, to go alone through that. Yeah. I cannot think. It was by herself. She was, this is, she, oh, wow. she is, she had, you know, she'd grown up in the Boston area and then she worked for children's hospital and was a child life specialist. So really, um, connected with children. And so she'd always wanted kids. Um, unlike us that we were mm -hmm. unsure. And, mm -hmm. and so she had gone through maybe two or so that were very close calls, like meaning they called her and said, can you fly out? And then, you know, two seconds later, no, it's not going to work. We decided to keep the child or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kind of disappointment, which is very kind of inherent in yep. the process. Yep. Um, and then the last one, we were together for only three months. And this woman called her and said, yeah, yeah, called her and said, Hey, um, I'm, I don't remember maybe four or five months pregnant, five, six months pregnant at six months pregnant at this time. Um, you're on you're, there's three people I'm looking at. You're one of them. Um, and, and, um, and I love to meet you. And so she, Mandy j drove down to San Diego area, met her and her mother and, um, then she came for Thanksgiving, this woman that was by that time was maybe seven months pregnant. Um, and Mandy, you know, God, just rolled out the red carpet, you know, like whatever she needed. And, um, and then the woman wanted to go into a, um, a, she wanted to have birth in a birthing center, mm -hmm. not in, in a, hospital. a hospital. And so all of it, I mean, then I, I'll always remember we went on a trip for, I think our anniversary 
I don't know, maybe it couldn't have been our anniversary. It's only three months or four months, but whatever it was, we were mm-hmm. celebrating something. Some celebrating. There was at least yeah. a celebration. Let's just <laughs> there say you there go. you go. That's there was a celebration. Forward. Something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an advancement. I'm sure it was because of her. Not I'm <laughs> sure that had nothing to do with me, but I was so excited to celebrate whatever it was with her. And, um, and uh, she got a call and she had a three hour call with this girl who then decided you were the one. I'm going to give this baby to you as a little girl. She was, I mean, I've never seen anyone so happy. And I was in this position of like, you know, she, she said, do you want to do this with me? And I said, geez, it's been, you know, it's only been a few months. You know, I said, oh, but I am like, like I, I certainly am not going to like officially sign up for anything because yeah. that's not fair to do. Yeah. But I'm here and I love to see where life takes us. Yeah. Like I'm open to the opportunity yeah. or, or the, the possibility more yeah. so. So um, we went and it was like January 3rd, now we get a call, or Jan- January 1st, the night of January 1st, we get a call saying, so New Year's, baby's coming. So we drive all the way on to San Diego, we meet this girl, and two or three days of labor, um, and I'd never seen a baby born, never, right? I mean, I, I mean I'm sure we've seen, like, calves yeah. born yeah. And, and, you know, foals or whatever, but, like, I've never seen a human baby born, um, and I saw, like, this baby just, like, came out. It was like, I'd never, I mean... It is impactful. It's really like, yeah. and then Mandy got to cut the cord and I mean, it was just this, uh-huh. and for about 40, 36 hours or so, she was, you know, feeding, the, 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 the biologic mother would still do some breastfeeding, but Mandy would do some bottle feeding and she got to, we got to do skin to skin. And I mean, it was oh, just wow. like a, it's, it's the intense. sweetest little girl, yeah. right? Like, I mean, and she just, there was something about her, like she was, she cried a lot until she got with us and she would, we would hold her and she'd stop crying. She knew that there was peace and calmness with us, and it, that's at least how it felt. Uh-huh. And, um, and then right before they were going to leave the hospital, the girl had a, a mental breakdown, and she was apparently diagnosed with some sort of borderline personality mm-hmm. disorder, and she had this uh, uh, psychotic breakdown and, and paranoia that that Mandy was in cahoots with the hospital that the hospital, um, that, that she shouldn't have any exposure to the child and they were stealing the baby. And I mean, this whole thing, it was almost like, I mean, it really like, a, a, and maybe it was a hormonal after the baby, you know, the, uh-huh. the hormones had major shift after the baby's born. And anyway, so then Mandy was no longer able to see the baby and it was just literally like within Gone. a minute, like that was it. And then she said, can I at least say goodbye? And she wasn't allowed in the room. So and I had driven back to LA the night before to come to work. No, so thinking that everything was going to be of course, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to meet her, and then you know. And so I remember I had a bunch of appointments, and she called me crying, and immediately I was like, "We got to cancel the appointment, or just move them to other doctors yeah. if they need yeah. other chemo." You yeah. know, I don't want to not yeah. like, deprive yeah, yeah, them from provide. chemo, but I couldn't be there. I had to go, and that's when I made the decision. Like, I there was something I cared about more right now than what we do so well, which is come to work every single day, do our job and do it well. I had to make the decision. And so I left and went and picked her up. And that was it. I remember walking out of the hospital. We were carrying a baby car seat empty, you know, and I just remember that feeling like, oh, my God, this is like I was okay. I mean, I was okay. I was devastated. I was sad. It's traumatic. I was so sad for her. Um. And then so about two months later, I, I took her on a, or even a month later, I took her on a trip to Mexico. Probably wasn't the smartest thing because Zika virus there and we were having the conversation about baby making. But in my mind, it was like genius. And then, 
And so it was like, I'll take her over there and so we could have some time and away. And, in the zoo. Yeah. Until the, the whole point of the conversation was to have the conversation of there are two women. Why don't we try this? Uh-huh. Because I think that it was so emotionally taxing, that process, that I couldn't do it, it again. It is very emotionally taxing. And I didn't think that she wanted to do it again. And so it's just like un- the universe again was so kind of incredible and in how it all happened is I had a conversation with her there and said, while we were in the water, you know, in Mexico, I said like, why don't we try ourselves? Like, this is a whole different ball game. Like I get it, but why don't we try? And then she said, well, would you do it? And I said, yeah, I'll do it for us. Um, I need time to like work through it mentally, but yeah. like I, I'm okay. Like I, I would rather try. And I think it was more because if, if a baby comes out in his mental health or whatever it is, I could just blame it on us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know, I know. Right. Then blame it on someone else yeah. and then almost hate that idea yeah. where I, you know, I just like, sorry, you got that from auntie. So, and so auntie Lila. Uh-huh. And so, oh, no, right. <laughs> so, so my auntie Lila, right. Is little yeah. s- special. So I, yeah. I think that, So that was kind of part of the decision. And then right when we were leaving Mexico, she got an email from the adoption organization saying they went bankrupt. Oh, I remember that organization because that was the time we were looking for adoption agencies and we saw and we were Googling and we saw it's it's in L.A. Yeah, independent. I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's called independent something organization or um, uh, adoption or agency. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. I think that's what it was We looked it up to choose it. But at that time is when everything happened. I mean, luckily, the exact same time. That was like the day we we went to the different one. Wow. And so it was just meant to be so that we decided to go through the process and we went through IVF and every part of it was just... IVF is brutal, isn't it? It's brutal. Um, In a way, I mean, yeah, I think on your body, it's a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like injections daily and all of that. And And for me, it was a lot of... It's a bit of a miracle because when I was young... The, I I went to I was go to Johns Hopkins for all my doctor appointments and the doctor said to me because of your hormonal imbalance even as a child 16 years old I'm not sure you'll ever be able to have a baby and you know then I'm in care of 16 yeah, I was like yeah. I I wasn't affected by it at all I was like oh, well, uh-huh. I'll just be successful in other yeah. ways right I know <laughs> it was fine like I I literally didn't skip a yeah. beat right but then as I went through life I remember always having in the back of my head so when we went to the to the OBG here for the fertility doctor. She said that and she's like, well, let's just see what happens. And I remember the first round didn't go well. And she's like, maybe you should get an egg donor. And I was like, mm, I don't like the way that sounds again. Right. So we said, well, why don't we try? So wait, you were about 39 when that, okay. 39. I mean, yeah. really much older. Yeah. And I had had this history of not yes. being able to. Yeah. And, and, um, and I said, well, why don't we try one more time? And I, I mean, I put, I had this it was, she was like an angel. It, her name was Dr. Nefertiti and she is a... Oh, that's a great name for a gynecologist. Right. She, well, she was the, um, the acupuncturist and herbologist. Oh, okay. She had a PhD in acupuncture okay. and infertility herbs. They say herbs. It, does, it does wonders for acupuncture. Amazing. And I, and I actually didn't do well. I, I did not stand acupuncture, but what she did was literally change the eggs inside my body. I mean, it, 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 I can't describe it. And as an integrative oncologist, yes. I believe in it. And so I took at least 20 herbs a day or, you know, 20 different between supplements and herbs, acupuncture twice a week. And I did it for about nine months. Our nine months is our, is, yes, right? it, like, yeah. is our lucky <laughs> number. And, uh, and then I, we did one more retrieval and it was incredible. Like the eggs were perfect. They said grade A and the day we did the transfer, 
We picked number three. There were three of them, and we picked these. So you got three we got embryos. Three that's so. That's a lot for our age. Mm-hmm. That's and they a were lot. Grade A. I mean, they were perfect. We didn't do genetic testing. It was just like we elected to freeze them at, because of whatever reason. And um, at that, at two, two or three days, three days. Um, but what was so cool is we go to do the transfer, and we had chosen to do embryo number three because she's the third, and I'm the third, um, and Doctor Nefertiti was the third, and so we were like, let's just do mm-hmm. it. So. We go in and this little Asian woman with a hazmat suit. And we plated just one. Just one. Yep. We, d- we didn't want more. Yeah. We knew what yeah. we wanted. And we yeah. said, let's just see. Let's see what the universe brings us. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, if that one split, well, we would just yeah. have that two is what it is. or three yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, what ended, well, I guess two. So what ended up happening was she walks in, this little Asian lady with a hazmat suit walks in to do that. She brings the catheter with the embryo in and she has to say id number yes. blah, blah, blah. you know obviously you don't want to implant the wrong yeah. embryo and um she comes in and she says in all my 30 some years of practicing embryology uh this is the most beautiful embryo i've ever seen under the microscope i mean <sighs> what so That's i look powerful. over and nefertiti's crying and like <sighs> you know and like manny and i are just like stunned you know we're like this is like let's just do it let's see and within you know 10 days our our fertility doctor, Doctor D, was just amazing. She she was out of town on mm-hmm. vacation with her family, and it was time to get the results. So she had her daughter, her little daughter, call us and tell us that we were pregnant. Oh, that's adorable! Oh, that's so the awesome. whole process was incredible, and the staff there was amazing. And CMD Fertility in in Westwood, they, they were phenomenal. And Nefertiti is what I think really changed it to make it work like that was without mm-hmm. her it wouldn't have mm-hmm. happened i know that in all my heart and and i'm a significant i mean it's very firm believer in the in alternative medicine and, yeah and i lived through i was it, surprised so I to hear that you couldn't stand acupuncture couldn't stand it. it doesn't work for my body oh wow like it hurt every bit yeah. of it yeah i think it was just with my genetic joint yeah. disease i just yeah. it was hard for me Might but but whatever I, it worked i mean yeah. i said just do it i'll take the pain like i just want this to work so bad and and then mandy went through pregnancy then yeah so then because of this genetic disorder that i had that we didn't know i even had during that process we had no idea um i had no idea why it hurt so bad and why things weren't working and my joints were really lax and i was developing a fusion in my joint like it was just no one had any idea none Uh of this was the case and then Finally went to a geneticist who then d- determined I had this disorder. Who then I started treating myself with cannabis as medicine, right? And so it all kind of and, and but the, I remember Dr. Nefertiti sat with us and she was trying to tell us in a really nice way. I don't think you should carry. Like I'm worried about your health. Uh-huh. We did, she didn't know what it was, but she knew something was genetically right. for me yeah. joint wise wasn't right. And Mandy was sitting there, and she was like, "I think you should consider doing it." And Mandy had never. I mean, the first date we went on she said she didn't want to have kids herself she didn't want to go through pregnancy and she was like oh let's I'll I'll do it you know like she just was like I had no I never thought I'd ever do this I ever wanted to do it but seeing what I had gone through and it was I always said I passed the baton off yeah I did my part part I passed the baton off and I knew once the embryo was inside of Mandy she's the most calm human being there was that was going it was going to work and I think Dr. Nefertiti knew that as well and it literally like she is this perfect womb for this baby and 
he I mean he's here and he's perfect and so she I when I was studying because there's such a thing as embryo adoption you can adopt an embryo so oh, yeah. like let's say you yeah. have your embryos if yeah. you want to place it for yeah, adoption of course um, and I was reading about that at one point for some reason um, and there are also genetic characteristics of the biological mother that get uh, I would need to fact check that but I don't remember exactly what part but Meaning, like, mending DNA could be embedded yeah. in the embryo. Yeah, no, it is. So yeah. he, he's he's got three different DNA: is yeah. donor, me, and mending. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 more like epigenetics. So it's the the micro environment mm-hmm. that the embryo sits in, mm-hmm. right, and then the fetus sits mm-hmm. in is what determines a lot of the phenotypic changes, uh-huh. um, as well as just kind of like their temperament, mm-hmm. because you know she's this calm, super like, and so he came out. So, I mean, even the doctor's like, he's the calmest, you know, like, and he's it's very not calm. me. Yeah, I can he's tell you that. Calm. My type A is not in him, <laughs> thank God. Although I see him do some OCD things and I'm like, oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's like closes all the doors in his puzzle. And I'm like, what are I you know, doing? we came to the room, you arranged the plant, you took the dry leaves, <laughs> you arranged the paint. <laughs> I was like, okay. I know. like me. Okay. Yeah, You're exactly. Home, can't help it, right? I can look at it if it bothers me. But and I don't know how he'll be. I yeah, mean, well, your life is like written on a mirror here. I know. Like, it's like, <laughs> God, can you be any more controlling? <laughs> right? I know. Last, I want to talk to you about cannabis because yep. that's a. Um, and please dumb it down because I don't know anything. Yeah, and no, um, but I, I I did tell you I tried something because I want something to slow my mind a little yeah. bit without like affecting my judgment or. I mean, whatever, just want to become calmer and see things clearer. Maybe what I want is to be less controlling. Yeah. And it feels really nice to let that go, right? Yeah. And so, but I don't know anything about cannabis and probably chose the wrong things. It never does anything to me. Like nothing. Not even hungry. Yeah. Like you don't even get the munchies. That's not even fun. No. Can't even eat, enjoy what you're eating. N- no. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but one one time I did uh, try an edible something. I don't know. It was a brownie or cookie whatever it was and then i felt dizzy maybe two hours later like seasick like i didn't i didn't want to throw up but it was like that motion that's terrible so how it's tell me a little bit like how because people have i did had this discrimination about it like that's a ghetto thing that's like something they only bad people do and it's not that and now it's being used in medicine right yeah of course um, I, I would say to answer, to, to kind of go into why it's, you had a different response is that we all have what they call an endocannabinoid system, which is a system in our body, just like your neurologic system mm-hmm. or your cardiovascular system. You know, you have different body systems. This is just a body system that you have. And this system has multiple factors, something like receptors and what they call endocannabinoids that are basically neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And this is a system that no one knew was ever in Mm -hmm. our bodies, all of our bodies, mammalian bodies, all the way down to like the nematode has this type of system, right? And the the, the interesting thing about the system is it's no different than any other system. So for instance, like let's talk about like a neurologic system. Mm -hmm. Your neurologic system is set very different than my Mm -hmm. system. And I think that life so environment changes your system, right? So trauma can change your mm-hmm. neurologic system. And that's why you hear things about like fibromyalgia or, or, you know, hyperesthetic syndromes and stuff like that. Versus, and then genetics play a role in your system. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference with this endocannabinoid system. It gets you, there's a certain tone that it should keep just like your neural system mm-hmm. should keep a certain tone. Otherwise, if you rapidly fire, you're having mm-hmm. seizures. There needs to keep some, what they call a homeostasis, right? Mm-hmm. Or a balanced system. Mm-hmm. 
And that's not different again than any other system, your hormonal system, right? If you keep, if your hormones are not balanced, what happens is you lose your hair or you're really PMS mm-hmm. or you're really, something's not right. You can't have a baby. It's, there's, mm-hmm. so if you think of, it's just another system. It needs to be balanced. And what changes the imbalance of that system or the balance of the system is, is that, oh, sorry, that, <laughs> that, that, um, is, is sometimes environment. So stress can change that balance. Disease or cr- like chronic disease changes that balance. So once you get that imbalance, cannabis, the whole point of this cannabis plant is it actually, there's something called phytocannabinoids, things like THC and CBD mm-hmm. and other cannabinoids. And there's probably over 150 of them now. Um, that exists within this plant, which is crazy, is that they can modulate the system and the goal is to bring them back to a balanced state. So I am as ignorant as not knowing the difference between CB, between CBD yep. and, um, THC. THC and all the others. All the others, like. So, so there's literally, say, like 150 of them out there in the plant, in the mm-hmm, cannabis mm-hmm. plant, right? Of these CBD, THC, and then many others. Let's mm-hmm. say, you know, 145 others, 150 others, right? Um, they all play unique roles in our bodies, and some may play more of an anti-inflammatory role. Some may help with stress. Some may help you disengage mentally with things. So when you not want your brain to stop working, given at so that one particular, let's say THC, right? Mm-hmm. That one cannabinoid will have a different response at a low dose. So if I give you a very low dose, it may actually stop those rapid thoughts and make your brain relax. Versus if I give you a high dose, it might actually make you really paranoid and turn your brain on crazy. Mm. But you have to figure out it's not just a low and high. Because I think what happens is as people, scientists, and and the kind of the public say, well, if you take a low dose, you'll go to sleep perfect. If you, well, but... That Yes, there's that statement that might be true, but it's not for every person because your system may be more imbalanced or less imbalanced than my system. Mm -hmm. And so because it's not just a black and white, you need to have it this way, it's this is kind of the general theme. However, your body may need a little bit more to balance. So in a person that has, say, an acute insult, acute disease, Mm -hmm. a little bit might just be able to fix it right up. But if you have chronic exposure to something that's, say, chronic pain, then to be able to fix that, you might need a whole lot more of that plant, parts of the plant, to then bring you back to a balance. Because the whole goal of this system is to balance your body, right? Mm-hmm. Which is really kind of cool, right? So we have something that keeps us in homeostasis. And you can tell that because whenever there's cancer or whenever there's an uh, an abnormality in your body, you oftentimes can get an upregulation of some of these receptors, and that makes sense because your body is like, holy moly, mm-hmm. I need more of these receptors mm-hmm. to then get these endocannabinoids or in this case, phytocannabinoids from the plant to help balance the system. Because these cannabinoids don't just balance, they balance with the receptor. They have to bind to the receptor then mm-hmm. to inhibit or potentiate something, right, to make a bal- to make your body balanced. So CBD in general is one of the cannabinoids that generally is what we call non-intoxicating, right? So meaning that it doesn't cause the significant high effect that you see with, say, THC at high doses, but it wouldn't, I would not consider it not psychoactive, meaning that CBD can actually relax you and can actually kind of shut down your brain a little bit, can actually affect the way you think through things. And it may be a very positive way depending on the dosing. Mm-hmm. It can be sedating at given given at high doses, okay? So knowing that, I would not say that's not psychoactive. It definitely affects your nervous system, mm-hmm. but not to the extreme that you see with THC when given at high doses and you see people, you know, 
high sitting on the couch. Yeah. What we've always yeah. grown up looking at is the, you know, stigma, the, person, yeah. the stigma, right? Yeah. Sitting on the couch, what they call a couch lock effect. Yeah. You can't even get up. All you have is your bag of Cheetos and you're watching some comedy. I mean, I have used it for medicine now for so many years. And I, my friends, my family will tell you, like, I am the least person to sit down and watch mm-hmm. something. I, If I take my medicine, I'm now creative enough to write up a mural of my life. I need life. that. I need a mural. Yeah. And, 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 and I needed that to get me to that place. I painted my entire home and put it crown molding and redid my two bathrooms on cannabis because I made my pain not my joint pain not so bad so I could do those things. It also causes a disconnect between the way your brain feels the pain, right? So it doesn't, if you talk to people that are, have chronic pain, fibromyalgia or whatever, rheumatoid or whatever chronic pain disorders, there they exist, lots of them. What you'll hear sometimes is, yes, sometimes it helps with inflammation. There's lots of reasons. CBD, THC, CBD, some of those acids. There's a lot of these cannabinoids. Terpenes, which are the essential oils in the mm-hmm. plant, have also some of them, one in particular, beta caryophyllene actually binds to one of those cannabinoid receptors, CB2, and reduces inflammation via, you know, PG1 inhibition, right, which is that prostaglandin, right, which plays a role in inflammation, right? So we may reduce inflammation, but it's something beyond that. It's more of, I still might hurt, but I'm able to do a whole lot more because it's the way my brain perceives the hurt is very Mm -hmm. different. That's like the the best way to explain it. And so why is that, why would that be different in an animal? It's not different in an animal. The difference is that they can't talk to you and say my system's still imbalanced. It's, we have to be able to perceive that as doctors and as owners and be able to say they're going up the stairs better, but there's still, there's still something that's not, they're not back to where Mm -hmm. they were. Okay. Let's increase the dose a little bit. The problem is if you go beyond the dose, so a pharmaceutical, a pr- perfect example would be something like tramadol, right? Mm-hmm. Tramadol, you dose yourself with a, a narcotic like tramadol for pain. If you give yourself a small dose, middle dose, or high dose, you'll still get reduction of pain. But if you start going too high, you'll also mm-hmm. get some of those side effects, right? You'll get, now I'm really sedated and I feel like I'm nauseous and mm-hmm. all of these things. So I've taken too much, but my pain's still in check, mm-hmm. right? With cannabis, is different. You'll take too much. The good sides, the reduction in pain goes away and you only have the bad side effects. So when I take too much, what I found in my body is my pain's worse. But what do you take? Do you take CBD? Do you take TSH or do you take the plant, which is everything combined? I I try to take as as much of a combined. So it's a tincture, like a liquid that I put in my mouth that has all different parts of it. So it has terpenes, has many cannabinoids, including THC and CBD. But if I know I have to work in the day, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take a lot of THC. Mm-hmm. And for me, it doesn't work in my body anyway if I take too much because my pain's worse, right? So mm-hmm. I just have to know how my ba- my system can get balanced. And for me, excuse me, it's going to be things like maybe a one-to-one or something like that where it might be a one part CBD and one part THC. Or during the day, I might want eight parts CBD so you, you, and one you part. tailor doing... Exactly. You oh. tailor it. So and I think that's where cannabis medicine is going to go so you really like if a person like me wants to try and the benefits like what would you say like because i have you i can ask you questions but majority of people don't like mm-hmm. do, should they go to a doctor should they go to the place that sells it i would or- be careful going to the place that sells it because the problem with the place that sells it like the dispensary yeah. right 
they're, they're it's you know like high school grads that yeah. just say hey this one's really fun you yeah. know and that's not what we're looking i mean it's okay you can look for it there's nothing yeah, yeah, wrong yeah. with psychoactive yeah. effect my god what's the oh, difference between, yeah well, that's like, the, that, that's yeah. what kills me is people yeah. that are no. so anti i'm like but you're drinking wine and drinking yeah. beer and getting yeah. drunk and they think it's fun no. well, that's even worse that's way honest, worse because it's socially covert as like uh not dangerous yeah, it should be all the same. I think that people need to be responsible in what they put in their body, obviously. But that's not my decision. That's your mm-hmm. personal decision. And if you're using cannabis for psychoactivity and recreational, then do it and have fun and do your thing. Be responsible yeah. and don't drive and yeah, all yeah. Of those things. But if you're doing it for medicine, then it's a very different approach. And if for you, it's like, I want something to kind of slow my brain down, but also open up that yes. you know, that, yes. say, that right side and make yeah. me very creative and yeah. allow you to think beyond what your brain would normally go because that's what happens with us that are so linear we only think to a certain place but when you open up the other side holy moly now you can see things in a totally different light and that you don't need a lot for you need small small doses and what you'll find is i think you'd be able to open up but then would a doctor be able to do that because i also feel sometimes I don't know. Not Again, your, I'm ge- talking not your to- general doctor. Okay, because go I'm going, a coming from a, a place of ignorance. So I feel sometimes that doctors and that associated with dispensaries, they are like they don't even ask you many questions and just oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah you, you know, have a headache here. Let me write you a prescription. Yeah, but you don't want to necessarily go to a place that is a prescription place because now it's recreationally legal in yeah. LA, so you don't even need a prescription to get yeah. anything. So what you would do is there's certainly handful of cannabis doctors here that many of them say like, we'll write you a script, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to help guide you in um, from a medical standpoint. So they will literally say, start with this product at this amount, titrate it up to this amount. Yeah. Call me in a week. Let me know what happens. Yeah. I'm going to then adjust it to this amount. And can people find it in an association? Is that an association of these doctors yeah. that they can go online and find so them? So there's one in, there's, I think it's probably, it's throughout the country. It's called, um, a Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Okay. Uh, SCC. Okay. Yeah. Wait, can I say that right? I think so. I can fact check it. Yeah, why? I mean, the sad part is, is I'm part of this. Uh, so, <laughs> what is <laughs> Wait, let's, we can look it up very quick. I think it's SCC. Yeah, like I think, I think it is. Yeah, SCC. It's Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. I, it's in the morning, so. <laughs> yes. Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Yeah, SCC. So if you click on there, it will tell you... It's CannabisClinicians.org. Okay, CannabisClinicians.org. At least it seems like it is. Is this the website? Society of Cannabis Clinicians, yeah. Okay. And then if you go to... Yeah, and then if you go, you click on the thing and you say resources, Mm -hmm. and in there, find a practitioner. If you click on there... It will let you know um, directors of SCC practitioners, nice. your location. You put in your, say you put in your zip code. Is here the zip mm-hmm. code? And look what pops up. My name's on there. Um, Are you seeing right now? Yeah. Oh, right cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Because I'm the closest to that address yeah. as a veterinarian. Uh-huh. But there are Sherry who's on there, who's on their board, and um, Bonnie probably is on there. So you have some really kind of strong cannabis clinicians that you can go to and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. Can I use cannabis to help? And uh-huh. they're going to be honest with you. They might say, this is not a condition that I think will work, or this is something that I think I've seen success with, so why not try? It's no different than going to your neurologist or your yeah. cardiologist. Yeah. They just help guide you with the cannabis plant to make sure that you're going in more the medical side and not just... The, and, and it doesn't mean you can't do both. Some people yeah. do medicine and recreation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Does that nice. help? Yeah, that helps a lot. Because okay. I think what I get lost is like knowing where to find a resource, a thrust, ter- thrust, I can say that, trustworthy. Trustworthy. Trustworthy yeah. person yeah. and like going that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that way you uh, use it also like the vehicle, like it's uh, inhalant or uh, or um, edible, edible or yeah. it all impacts to the absorption, quicker, slower, like, like any meds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you may decide for yeah. you smoking is is it works the quickest certainly yeah. but it's the shortest lived yeah so if you want something that is almost if you would consider it like a a, a time release right it takes a little bit longer then maybe an edible is the way to go where it gets you several hours six hours let's say and that gets you a little bit more through the day mm-hmm. and reduce mm-hmm. reduces your pain or anxiety is a big thing i think and it's funny a lot of the um the veterinarians have come to me and asked me for anxiety formulas, right? I think, unfortunately, in veterinary medicine and medicine in general, there's a lot of anxiety that comes along mm-hmm. with it and finding ways to naturally treat your anxiety so not everyone's on SSRIs. Mm-hmm. Not that there's any stigma. I, in my mind, I think everyone needs what yeah. they need to get yeah. through the day and do take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. But if there's ways that either you can use it along with some of these SSRIs or reduce your dose and then be on cannabis as well or yeah. whatever people do it, for what themselves. Works, yeah. yeah, you do you. <laughs> you do you. Absolutely. Wow, that was awesome. This conversation yeah. went like so many ways I was not I expecting. Know. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, where You're can welcome. people find you? Um, you can find me at drtrinahazah.com. It's my website. And then um, I currently work at VCA West LA mm-hmm. with Lila. We're mm-hmm. here. Th- we're there together, except yeah. we work only one day together. Yeah. Um, but I'm there um, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and then I'll be going to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a pet that has cancer and mm-hmm. you want an integrative approach, mm-hmm that involves um, things like Chinese herbs, nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, Western herbs, medicinal mushrooms, and cannabinoid therapy. I certainly include a lot of that in my mm-hmm. protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm certainly available for consults. And there. you're also available as a speaker, right? You yeah. So I do several speaking engagements. Um, a lot of it's education, either from a pet point parent standpoint or from a veterinary standpoint. Mm-hmm. So a lot of veterinarians are really starting to get more excited about it, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And I feel very honored to be the one to help to teach mm-hmm. about the plant and so if you're interested in that you can always go to my website um and and send me a note you should do a ted talk yeah i you know someone brought it up the other day yeah you should definitely yeah do a ted talk it would be um, i would love it i actually would love it because i really think yeah. putting out yeah. some of the good stuff and i think being very neutral too and saying it doesn't work for everyone yeah. and like really, nothing does nothing does yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, but I'm really happy to have had this conversation with you. Nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope I see you guys or actually talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Take care. Take care. All right. All right. And we arrived to the honest mistake. This is the segment of the podcast where I fact check what we talked about and make sure we didn't say anything wrong. But if we did, it's honest mistake and we correct it right here. Today with Dr. Trina Hazar, we talked about so many things. She brought up left versus right brain. I confess I had to look it up. I was not very familiar with that classification. It's a theory where they believe that people are either left-brained or right-brained, meaning one side of your brain is dominant. This theory is actually based on the fact that the brain has two hemispheres and they function differently. And it first came to light in the 1960s, uh, thanks to the research of a psychologist named Roger W. Sperry, or Sperry. He actually won the Nobel Prize, which is pretty cool. So 
basically, from what I understood, if you left braining, um, if you function more with your left brain, then you're thinking in words, you're sequencing, you have a linear thinking, you're good in mathematics, facts, and logic. And if you are right-brained, then you're more you govern more for by your feelings, feeling visualization, imagination, intuition, rhythm, holistic thinking, and arts. So basically, if you are mostly analytical and methodical in your thinking, you're said to be left-brained. And if you tend to be more creative or artistic, then you're thought to be right-brained. I don't know. I bet there is something in the middle and or a combination. But if I had to say, I would say I am definitely more right-brained. I definitely have more intuition. Um, I'm pretty much artistic, I would say, even though... I'm a doctor, a veterinarian, I'm very artistic. So very interesting. And then jumping into a similar subject, she mentioned type of people, meaning type A. She called herself a type A people or person. Um, there are actually four personality types uh, on this classification. Type A, um, they call the director. So it's goal-oriented, risk-taking, good under stress. Type B is the socializer, so relationship-oriented, outgoing, enthusiastic. Type C is the thinker, detail-oriented, logical, prepared. And type D is the supporter, is also task-oriented, stabilizing, and cautious. And they also mention a type X, which is a combination of two or more of those personalities. Super cool. She also mentioned she had an Egyptian Taurus. Um, that tortoise is called Testudo Climani. That's the Latin name. And it is a um, species that is critically endangered, is um, endemic to Egypt and Libya. And again, it is very, very important to remember that it is illegal to bring animals from other countries. And this is called the international trade. And that is highly illegal. So definitely we will not encourage anyone um, to engage in those types of behavior. She also mentioned feeding the tortoise some peas and some lettuce. As a zoomet veterinarian, I had to bring up what is a correct diet for a tortoise. So tortoises are herbivore, um, herbivore animals, so they are plant-based animals. They eat a variety of grasses, a variety of um, leaves, um, sometimes also flowers. And so in captivity, we need to try to mimic that. Um, tortoises should not eat fruit. If they do, it needs to be minimal. Um, the same with vegetables. So mainly they should eat plants such as grasses and leaves, especially dark leaves. The iceberg lettuce, for example, a lot of people like to feed that, but that's very, um, offers very poor nutrition and it's not recommended. They also should receive a calcium supplementation, and this calcium needs to be without vitamin D because you can very easily uh, overgive vitamin D. So instead of that, they need to be exposed to direct sunlight. So if you're out there and you have a tortoise, the best thing you can do for your tortoise is to expose to direct sunlight daily, always offering some shading, some areas to protect and hide. Um, water should be should be always available, even if it's a desert species. And you can also supplement with a UVB light and heat if they are indoors. Not at night, just during the day, including the heat. So just a little blurb right there about nutrition and tortoises. 
We also mentioned Brasilia, um, the capital of Brazil, where I was born. Uh, we mentioned that it was built on the 60s and by a president, but I failed to mention the name of the president. The name of the president was Juscelino Kubitschek. He was the 21st president of Brazil from 1956 to 1961. The construction of Brasilia began in 1956, And it was the declaration of the city and the inauguration was actually April 1960. So it's a very young town, a very young city. Lucio Costa, he was the main urban planner. And then Oscar Niemeyer, which was a close friend of Lucio's. He was the chief architect. And Joaquin Cardoso was the structure engineer. And um, Roberto Burlemarx was the landscape designer. Brasilia is beautiful. If you are into architecture, you should definitely go go and take a look in Brasilia. It's amazing. It's shaped as an airplane um, and has a man-made lake, as I mentioned during the podcast. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. It was built in 41 months, as I mentioned, from 1956 to 1960 when it was officially inaugurated. So I recommend you definitely look at some pictures because it's gorgeous. And that was it for our honest mistake today. We didn't actually say anything wrong. It was just some curiosities that I want to bring to you and expand on what we said. Oh, before I forget, actually, there is one thing that I want to kind of correct or expand. It was about salmonella shedding in reptiles. Reptiles, majority of them do shed salmonella. So that can be... Um, a very serious um, disease in humans. It's zoonotic, meaning humans can acquire that. So please make sure if you do have a reptile, every time you handle them, wash your hands thoroughly. Don't touch your mouth. Uh, when you clean the environment, the same thing. If you have little kids, um, don't let them play with reptiles unsupervised. Make sure they are washing their hands after Uh, so they don't, they don't contaminate themselves with salmonella. So it is a zoonotic risk. I didn't mean to um, say that it was not a risk. Um, I didn't mean to underscore the importance of that disease and that bacteria. Um, I just wanted to, I didn't want people to be afraid of it, afraid of having reptiles as long as um, you have hygiene and wash your hands, you should be good to go. And you maintain your reptile healthy uh, with good nutrition and, again, good hygiene, cleaning the environment and the enclosure, you should be good to go. That's it for today, guys. I hope you liked our honest mistake, and I will see you on the next podcast.